Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. During the international break, I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, England have won a game, which I didn't watch, Rob. I'm just going to put it out there. International break is the time for rest and recuperation like Marcus Rashford is getting. And now, like Luke Shaw is getting after being sent off in 54 seconds. Heartbroken when Luke Shaw got that red card. Absolutely heartbroken. Wasn't thinking at all. Oh, now Luke gets a rest and that might help Man United. So it's like the anti-injury when a player gets injured and you feel awful for the internationals. You go, oh no, we need that player back fit and healthy. You get a player suspended for the next game and you're a bit like, quietly, I'm all right, but... Yes, I was quite happy with that. I think Luke Shaw getting some rest is essential. He's looking a little bit tired. Yeah, we. I put Luke Shaw in that in the last show. We did a, <clears throat> a quick section on the players that you want to see have a rest. And I think I put Bruno Fernandes in there, but Luke Shaw would be included as well. So this is uh, things are looking up uh, for Man United. Not so much for Harry Maguire, who was on a winning team in Italy, but uh, looked. I saw one highlight of Luke Shaw getting red the red card right so i've just gone back before this podcast just to make sure i was uh up to speed with things harry Maguire was on the floor as luke shaw was making the tackle and there was nobody around him and i was a bit like what are you doing harry and obviously he uh brought the ball out from the back passed it into midfield gave it away and italy scored uh which is <sighs> poor harry yes well when you win 2-1 in naples you're not going to get a lot of people on your back are you however I think, again, we saw in that game Harry Maguire's deficiencies. And the problem is, is that when they're for England, I don't mind them, Scott. Get on with it. No problem. But when I see them at Old Trafford in front of me and you're like, you can't run, boy. That is a problem, isn't it? And it's a kind of, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that happens month after month after month. So when he plays for plays football, you see what's wrong with Harry Maguire now more than you see what's right. So, um, yes, uh, he did spend a lot of the time on the floor because he's such a big guy. I think it's difficult to sometimes jump back on your feet when things are moving around you so fast. Uh, I think that's something that uh, Eric Ten Hag will need to address in the summer. 
We may also talk about future Man United striker Harry Kane breaking the England goal scoring record at some point in today's show. Uh, that's the thing, isn't it? That's future Man United player Harry Maguire. That's the line. Uh, Harry, Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Kane, Harry is it? <laughs> Harry Kane, for future, future England player Harry Kane. It's, it's, uh, it's the way it's going. Yes, subscribe to this show wherever you get your pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week as well. If you haven't subscribed to the channel already, please do leave a comment for us, like the video, subscribe, join the community, etc., etc. Uh, plenty of comments actually in the on the last video of uh, multiple things. Maybe we'll call some out later in the show. Not call them out. That, that's probably the wrong way to say it, but you know, uh, address them, them or address or them, discuss yeah. discuss your comments. Uh, and we'll we'll see where we go. I think we got a bit of a uh, heat for suggest people think we haven't watched Victor Osman before, uh, so maybe we should uh, talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, the ownership. But we, I will hands up. Rob will admit this to you as well. I'm bored as hell of the ownership. Uh, it's it's like a PR game, and the Glazers <laughs> game of Monopoly. And we're all on the chessboard, aren't we? We're all little pieces being moved around. So, like, yeah, it's it's boring. And, and like I say, people reporting stuff that they think they know. And then 24 hours later, it turns out they don't know. It's egg on their faces. So, yes, it's almost better to just say, let's wait and see when your contacts are telling you exactly the same thing. We'll talk about that briefly. We'll talk about Thomas Ziliakis. Uh, which interesting, interesting offer, but we're not going to spend too much time on the ownership stuff just because it's been going on since November and it's going to keep going and keep going. And you probably know which way it's going to end up in the end anyway. Well, we'll also, I think the bulk of the show will be about Frankie de Jong alternatives because there's a couple of uh, tidbits of information that have come out over the last uh, 24 hours or so uh, from Argentina and from us at Nighty Min. Uh, potential alternatives. We'll, we'll discuss them. We'll also talk about a potential new young prospect to come into the United First team as well. Rob will tell you more. And like I say, we'll talk about the comments from the last show as well. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Uh, we're going to get our Twitter legacy verification uh, things taken off us on it by April 1st. So uh, get over there now so you know we're real people before the, before we are made not real people. But we're no longer real. We're forced to sign up to Twitter Blue, <laughs> which I will not be doing. Uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about anything else you want to talk about on, on the England game, Rob? Because Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, uh, it's just, I suppose it's just good that Luke Shaw gets a rest. I don't know how many minutes Bruno Fernandes played for Portugal, but they won. It, it, it's essential that none of our players get injured. That is it. That's the mandate. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. Just don't get injured. And I know that's a very selfish way of doing it. When I've talked to people years gone by about England, especially people who are much more passionate about the international game, and this is this is maybe the centering around World Cups and when you're at tournaments, I still feel like Manchester United is my priority. That's how I feel as a fan. So it's really, you almost feel a little bit fraudulent when you're celebrating an England win, but in one side you're going... Don't get injured. So for me, Luke Shaw getting that yellow card, second yellow, was probably the best bit about beating Italy. Like I know there'll be other fans that will go, that's terrible. But for me, I just want to see Luke Shaw playing at left back at, at his highest level after a little bit of a break. So when Marcus got injured the other day, I felt sorry for Marcus, but I was like, go on holiday, Marcus. Where's Marcus now? 
He's on holiday. So that's where he should be. So, yeah, nothing really more to discuss about. I think with Maguire, again, we just saw things in his performance that were very Man United. We don't want to see them. So uh, not a great advert for him. But I do think in the summer he will be leaving our football club. Yes, we'll do plenty more of that in future shows. Let's just just get the the ownership stuff over with, Rob. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm sure everyone has seen over the last 48 hours or so, uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, falls into the 48 hours. The new bids have gone in. The revised bids have gone in. Oh, wait, no, they haven't. They haven't received anything. And on on Thursday then, I believe, Jim Ratcliffe's second revised bid went in. It's, it's been suggested that Ratcliffe asked for more time and therefore... As soon as the Qataris got wind of Ratcliffe asking for more time, they also then took more time. That bid is expected to go in on Friday. But it's kind of suggested out there that even these bids are not going to meet the Glazers' asking price. And the game is blatantly obvious now, I suppose, from from the Glazers' perspective, Rob. Uh, We'll we'll talk about the, um, the other bid uh in a second but these are the two main main ones uh what's your take on it all at the moment rob how is this looking well people have said to me repeatedly over the last few weeks and months you know rob why have you not spoken more about the ownership issue both on twitter and on your podcast and i've said it's not a case of what's my opinion i think my opinion is quite clear i've made that clear about qatar my feelings about sports washing my feelings about ownership and the Glazers, and etc. People still want to believe that I'm a Glazer supporter because, well, because. However, what do we think about the ownership? And this is what I've said, and I'm going to stick to this, is that when we look at our sourcing and we look at what people know, things can change, but don't rely on people just kind of putting out tweets and things like that. And that's what we're seeing in our industry is that these things are going round in circles on 24-hour news carousel. The truth is, and this is, I think, where we stand, is that Glazers, the Glazers would like to stay at the football club, buy out the rest of their family, the two brothers, we've said this on the show repeatedly, and refinance. That's their preferred position, Scott. That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen because Qatar or Sijin Reckless is going to have to come up with a bid that absolutely blows that out of the water. And we believe at the moment that won't happen. We just that's what we believe because we've heard it from enough credible sources. So that's where I stand on it. It's kind of not a lot to talk about, is there, after that? Because you have to wait and see what the Glazers decide to do. No one is going to bid eight billion for the football club. No one. No one a year ago, two years ago, in a year's time, five years time. People are not going to do it. So let's see what goes on, because I think the Glazers would prefer to stay as long as they could buy out the rest of their family. And if they've got someone like the Elliott group behind them, then they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to stay in charge and they'll be able to build a new stadium. United fans will hate that. And we'll discuss that when it happens. But unfortunately, I don't want to be kind of dour on the ownership side of it. But that looks the most likely option as we stand today. And really, the ball now is in Qatar and Sir Jim Radcliffe's court. What about Thomas Ziliakis and his bid? Which can you can you summarize this off the top of your head, or do you want me to do it? Because you I, do I'm it. Gonna have to, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look it up then. It's 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 along the lines of I'm going to come in with an X amount of money for I think it was around four billion dollars. Mm. Is that right? Uh, I'm going to come in with this amount of money to buy half of the club, and then I would like fan ownership to be a thing Mm. and that would require fans to invest some money in order to 
take the bid over the line and also have a say in the runnings of the club via an app, I think it was. Dreamland? <laughs> I mean, Twitter people, have been ask, people have been asking for fan ownership for a long hmm. time, but I, uh, to me, Rob, I think, I don't think this was getting very far. It's an interesting concept, I suppose, but like in reality, that doesn't work. No, it's a German concept going back over time. The old what what we used to call the fifty one percent model. So you, you'd have you'd have an owner that owned uh, the fans that would own fifty one percent of the club. Therefore, the fans controlled the club, and then you'd have a billionaire with the other forty nine percent. So that that's the kind of premise of his offer for Manchester United, or what he would say was an offer. As I said to you off camera, just because someone says I want to buy the football club doesn't mean it's actually an offer, because that would mean. I'm also a bidder in the process, but I haven't got eight billion quid. I think the fan ownership is something that could be explored in years ahead. However, we live in an acute capitalist society where profits drive everything and billionaires are attracted to that. And so are football fans. So we're not going to see anything radical like that, not in, in the UK, because that kind of model doesn't really exist. You'd, you'd be ripping up the the form book and doing something completely new. The Premier League would not endorse that. They would be like fans with control of our football and our product and our sponsorships and our TV rights. They wouldn't like that. So yeah, no, I like. Rob, the, I would I'd, like to vote for Man United to sign Mbappe. Yeah, look, I would. I'd like that. I was going. I was about to say I'd stick ten grand at that as a fan. You know, go and find the money and say, yeah, can I have my zero point zero 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 one percent control? Um, but no, can you imagine that making decisions via an app? Like <laughs> Twitter's bad enough as it is about opinion, but can you imagine actually having an app that controlled who you signed? Oh no, look, 51% of fans don't like Marcus Rashford this week. Sell him. <laughs> I mean, if fans had got their way oh, last year, he would have been sold. He would have been. That's my point. So, like, that's it. Like, oh, oh, fans don't like Harry Kane because he's too old. And he's too English, and we don't like that. We don't want that. So, yeah, we'll sign Victor Osman because I watched Italian highlights last week, and I'm really into Na- Napoli now. So, like, all of that stuff you see is conjecture, and it's funny, but it's also part of football. You kind of have to stand back a little bit and go, no, thank you. But I do think with the ownership, I said, I, I, I've said it all along, I'm going to stick with it. I do think the Glazers are in control of this, and the Glazers do want the hype. You've seen again, Scott, share price has gone up again. Why is that? because it's all chit-chat in the press, all the stuff being put out through the normal lines. And that's what the Glazers want. They want their asset to be worth more money, because then they can go and bang on the door and say, yeah, if you want our football club, then this is what we expect from you. Um, We do know that the talks between Sir Jim and Ineos and United were very positive, and that that United uh, bods really liked what he had to say and how he would like to run the football club in terms of refinancing. But all the rubbish that a lot of fans talk about, Scott, in terms of debt is rubbish. Like, you know, like if a billionaire takes on your debt and puts it on his billion billion pound company, then debt is no longer on you. Like, it's just normal practice. So there's a lot of that at the moment that, oh, we just want the richest owners. But I just want an owner that looks after Man United, looks after Man United's interests and and is a is a kind of forefront looks at Manchester United as the is the industry that it is and and protects that, not someone that goes oh we want to put Man United as a kind of tick on you know on our shoulder there and say part of all these companies that we own I don't really want that so th- there's pros and cons for it so I think the Glazers unfortunately will be staying as it stands. Plenty of developments to go yet. 
Um, There'll be loads. But there's going to be this. It's like a roller coaster, isn't it? You get your hopes up, and then yeah. they they go down, uh, and then something develops, and then it's like, oh my god, something's going to happen. And that's why these these deadlines are fake. All this like, oh, today's the deadline at the, at ten o'clock. Like it's like, who does that? This is not X Factor. You know, this is this is the the highest end of billionaire deadlines. The next factor. Yeah, of course you do. You have to ring up, don't you? And so, because like you know, you got, oh, you got, oh, you got right. Till, you're you talking to, about the contestants. You got till six o'clock to vote for this band or this singer I don't or watch whatever. X factor, no, neither do I. But I know how it works, Scott. So it's like Man United. It's like I, we all know how big business works. It does not work like like imagine putting your bid in. Go, oh, it's it, it's it's like I missed the fax machine, isn't it, for David Dayo? Like that's a real thing too. It's like. Mm, not not in this scenario. <laughs> you don't fax the bid over, and you're a bit late, so therefore you can't buy the club. So um, I think they're waiting the scene. They don't want to get played off against each other, and I think that's totally normal. Yes, indeed. We'll see how it develops. Like we say, this mm. I think the Glazers are going to take another week or so to uh, mull over the bids. Whether there's a an, another process on top of this, or whether they, they make a decision quite soon. I think the Glazers would like to milk it for all it's worth, though. I think this this is probably something we can be assured of. And the politics within the Glazer family, I think, is actually the more interesting angle here. Like we we all want new owners, of course, but I actually think there's a there's a whole lot of stuff going on within the Glazer family about what certain factions want compared to the brothers. So the brothers kind of think they lead the family. But the truth is they don't. They don't actually have complete power within their family. So the vacuum is about what they want. And obviously we know that that most of the Glazer family would like to sell to make the money and go and have a nice life. Whereas the Glazer brothers would like to still own Manchester United and be involved at the table of football because it is the biggest business in the world, isn't it, in terms of sport? So it is a wait and see. And the truth is that nobody knows anything because the Glazers keep keep their information quite close to their chest. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, we'll do the the midfield conversation in a second. But Rob, do you want to talk about a potential new young gem from the academy who's been taking social media by storm? <laughs> well, is he is he taking it by surprise? Well, to, media to be storm? honest, when you sent it to me, it was the first I'd seen of it. But you know, he looks a bit like Phil Foden. Shay Lacey, yes, fifteen years old. So it's like when you when you mention a fifteen year old, it's a bit like, oh, here we go. But the truth is, their journey to the first team starts earlier and earlier now. So I can remember years ago, Ryan Giggs being that age, like fifteen, sixteen. A lot of the stories going around Manchester about this young talent who'd played for City. His name was Ryan Wilson, and kind of getting him through the ranks and how quickly could he be in the first team? And of course. You know, by 17, he was valid already. I think when you look at Lacey and look at what's going on in his journey at Manchester United, there's there's the wild comparisons that people are saying, the next Lionel Messi in world football. And you're like, wow, that's that's huge. But I actually think what you said there is is more applicable is that he's very Phil Foden. You know, like, like you, you watch him, he just looks like Phil Foden, like his whole game. So... An incredible young talent that Manchester United are developing. And I think this is why some Man United fans need to look beyond the ownership and beyond transfers and beyond all these things that kind of get people out of bed, you know, and get them excited when they flick the phone on every morning and looking for the next Mbappe bit of information that you're going to sign a huge star. Because I'm more interested in these kind of players. I look at them and I look at him and a Kobe Manu and a Garnacho. I look at these young lads and I think this is how you build success through your youth. 
but great youth, Scott. Like, this is not just about picking any kids up. This is the, the ultra elite level from 15, 16, and 17. And before you know it, Scott, two years has gone. These boys are first teamers. They're in your squad. So it's not a very long time, is it? Um, I think he's a, he's a great young prospect. We won't go too much into him today. People need to go on YouTube and go and have a look because there's plenty out there. But more than that, the people that do know and follow the youth team explicitly every week, look at this, know what they're talking about with this guy. And it reminds me a little bit, again, of the Wayne Rooney thing. Or when he was like 15, 16, people were saying, this boy is already going to be a bona fide first teamer in the blink of an eye. I think Lacey's got that about him. He's a... Uh, He's dynamic, he's quick, he scores all sorts of goals, left, right, centre, does everything in the top half of the pitch. And he could well be Manchester United's Phil Foden. Shay Lacey, everyone. Remember uh... the name, remember where you heard <laughs> it. I was just going to say that. Remember the name, Shay Lacey. I think uh... we were one of the first people to talk about Garnacho in our earlier shows. We talked about, we did a show on young players and we talked about this young lad called Garnacho before the Youth Cup, do you remember? And people were like, who is he? Like, what, what does he do? And we're like, wait and see. Now, he had a great youth cup, didn't he? But here we are already, yeah, yeah. Scott. He's injured and pe- we're missing him. And people are talking, Argentina are talking him up and saying, he's going to be one of our stars of the future. You know, he's going to take over from Messi in the Argentina team. And you think, yeah, he is because he's that good. But pick him up early. Look when they're 16, 17. And that's when you, when, I think when you buy into their journey, it becomes a much more enjoyable experience as a football fan. Yes, indeed. Shea Lacey, keep an eye out for him. Go and look at... He, he actually reminds me of Phil Foden. There was, there was a clip uh, of him scoring one it's goal. Frightening. It's frightening. Like, he has the same mannerisms, runs the same, dribbles the same. Same herky-jerky style. Like he, he cuts in at weird angles and his control is like immense. Like, you know, I'm a bit obsessed with ball control. Like, I really am. Like, if players can't control a ball, I get annoyed. But his ball control at 15 is better than some of our first teamers. And you kind of go... Wow, you can develop that. You know, you could take that on to next level at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. You have a world-class player on your hands already. So don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I'm sure he doesn't watch the promised land anyway. You never know. He might. Anyway. <laughs> yes, he doesn't watch the promised land. Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about the, the meat of today's show, which is Frankie, there's, there's no real updates on Frankie de Jong apart from, I'm sure, what you've seen in the press, him saying, no, oh, I love Barcelona, I'd like to stay. <laughs> from what we understand, the situation's still the same. He's, he would ideally like to stay at Barcelona. He's owed money by Barcelona. He's even owed more money by Barcelona with a loyalty bonus, which he's due at the end of the season, I believe. So, And Barcelona are in a position at the moment where they have to... Have you seen the the the, the uh, payments of the referee stuff? That, that That's happening. Uh, UEFA yep. investigating that, and also they have to, according to La Liga rules, they have to shed a significant chunk of their wage bill before they can go and bring anyone else in. And they yeah. would like to bring Messi back. So, you know, <laughs> as much as everybody would love to join Barcelona and love to stay at Barcelona, something has to give at some point. Yeah, whether that's uh, Ferran Torres, it might be he that he's the first one, Rafinha. They could sell him. There's plenty of Prem clubs who would take him, I'm sure. Definitely. Frankie de Jong is obviously an important part of the Barcelona team. But you saw after 14 weeks of chastening last summer, it didn't happen. He's never made any bones about it publicly that he would like to stay at Barcelona. Doesn't mean he will, but we'll see. Anyway, United can't, af- 
can't afford to spend another 14 weeks chasing Frankie de Jong and not sign him again. So let's talk about alternatives. I'll start with one. We spoke about him on the other show, on the show earlier this week, Rob. <laughs> Alexis McAllister, you think is a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have some comments from his father after the Barcelona game or around the bar at the Argentina game against mm-hmm. Panama. Uh, some great video, by the way, uh, of, of that game last night with the fans getting to welcome the team home after winning the World Cup. Clubs are starting to call us for Alexis. This is his dad, by the way. Clubs are starting to call us for Alexis, but there are no firm negotiations now. We'll decide together with Brighton. They deserve respect. We'll pick the best, the best project based on the coach. It's not about the money for Alexis. So I know you'd like to see him rock up at Man United, Rob. Encouraging? Yeah. Encouraging, absolutely. And, and again, we know that there are inquiries for, for him. So that doesn't really surprise me what his father said publicly. Because again, it's always the first thing, is it, when a family member or an agent kind of speaks out and says, ah, this is where we stand with things. Um, would I like him at Man United? Well, yes, but I also think that he's a, a list of names that you would like at Man United. I, I don't ever buy into this, there is one player that fits every size. You know, it doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a little bit like the Harry Kane conversation for Man United is that, yeah, he's a good fit. He's not the only fit. There's plenty of players out there. And I always believe that. I always believe there's value in the market. And I always believe that you can go out there and find what you need in football terms. I think with McAllister, um, a lot of it will be about his price. So let's say he plays really well to the end of the season, Scott. That kind of 50, 60 million pound bracket is no longer 50 or 60 million, is it? It goes up. Like, say he has an incredible win to the campaign. Say Brighton end up in Europe or something like that. McAllister suddenly going to have a value pushing towards Enzo Fernandez, isn't it? It's going to be more like that. So that's not something I would buy into. I don't want him at that price. I don't think that that price fits um, maybe the profile of the player. But I do think that we are going to be doing a lot of content in the week's head now, Scott of what we would call Frankie de Jong alternatives, because as much as Frankie de Jong might be the perfect fit for Man United, for for Ten Hag, he's probably not going to come. And if he is going to come, it will be because Barcelona want to throw him off the bus and Man United are going to catch him and go, come to Old Trafford, Frankie, we'll save your career and save your life. But it doesn't look like that's the case at the moment. So why live in that that reality? I think United need to look at midfield alternatives. We know that someone like... Scott McTominay, potentially Donny van der Beek. These players are surplus to requirements. I think even someone like Fred might play less of a role next year, which means you're probably going to upgrade and buy a midfielder that helps you more in the kind of number eight function. But you need someone that can play six, eight, ten and be competent at all of them, Scott. You can't just buy an eight. You can't just buy a ten. That's not modern football. You need players that can do different things in your team. Uh, so obviously McAllister there is going to come quite expensive, you'd imagine, because he's yes. moving from a Premier League club if he does move. <clears throat> you saw in January that Brighton decided they didn't want to sell Caicedo, and they didn't. Yeah, And now he signed a new contract. He might be revisited at some point. Uh, maybe even Caicedo is a, is a name that might come on the United radar at some point soon, but I don't think that's the type of play. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That they really need urgently at the moment. No. Anyway, uh, Marcel Sabitzer possibly can fall into that category. I know that there's no dis- decision on his future at Bayern at the moment. Uh, I think United fans like him would come cheap. Although, circumstances might have changed as Bayern have changed manager. Uh, Nagelsmann out. Thomas Tuchel in. They've just made the decision. Yeah, I, as we record, this is not official, but it's pretty nailed on. Uh, so that might change plans for Marcel Sabitzer, potentially. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, look, look. I, I, I like Sabitzer and I, and, and I would take him tomorrow. And I think that if you could get him around the market value between 10 and 20 million, which is kind of what, what would be what the value. Would be, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at that, as long as uh, like Bayern Munich were willing to do that deal, then I would absolutely take him because I, I always think about fleshing out the squad that you've got to have quality in those ranks of the kind of 10 to 20 million pound player. And this is kind of where I put Veghorst as well. It's like he's not your ideal first pick, but you need players with a certain kind of attitude and dexterity in your squad to make sure you're robust. And I think Sabitzer fits that. So we've not seen a lot of Sabitzer. He's had a bit of an injury and there was obviously suspensions in Europe and one thing or another that's held him back. But we've already seen enough, haven't we, of the type of play that he is. He's got a bit of combativeness about him and he's good on the ball. And and I think he's economical. That's what I like about him is that I look at Fred and I think Fred is the opposite. Fred is not economical. He's either the best number eight in the world or the worst number eight in the world. And 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 that emotional roller coaster is not something I can go on every week, Scott. Like it, 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 you know, my, the tears fall from my eyes. So you need players with consistency, and I think Sabitzer fits that more in terms of a profile. So yes, you're going to go and buy maybe uh, what you call an elite number eight or someone like that. You're looking for that kind of player, your De Jong alternative. But Sabitzer at ten to fifteen to twenty million makes sense. Do not be surprised if Thomas Tuchel rolls up at Bayern Munich and goes, no, 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 no come home, I want you, you're my kind of player. Because I think Sabitza fits the kind of style that Tuchel likes to play. And you'll see Bayern Munich will, ch- will change the style. Like, I think it shows, isn't it? Nagelsmann is one of the great young, talented coaches in the world. And yet Bayern Munich have kind of just taken the form guide and gone, no, we're not happy with this. So therefore we're changing. That's how... I do think there's a bit more to it than that. I think there he, is more he's falling out with Neuer, like he, the goalkeeping coach yep. that is, you know... There's a lot of unrest. But 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 like, like you've got to look at it this way, is that like, the, the football's not a perfect circle. Like if, if, if Eric Ten Hag falls out with players and people at the football club next year, mm-hmm. it shouldn't really matter if you're looking very long-term, if you think that's the right guy. I don't think Nagelsmann is suddenly a bad coach because of what's been happening at Bayern Munich. So, But politics always do play a part of it, and this is why Bayern Munich are where they are. And all football clubs kind of do that, like we've seen at Chelsea. We saw with Tuchel at Chelsea didn't we? And yet now they've gone and got Graham Potter from Brighton. Is Graham Potter better than Tuchel, who's now about to become Bayern Munich manager? Bad decisions by people who shouldn't be making those choices. So I, I think these coaches sometimes need a little bit longer, but I also understand that the politics just does reign supreme. Let us know if there's any number eight type play, because basically United are planning at the moment 
on the premise that the Glazers will remain in charge and that, that they have to, right? Mm. They have to plan for the summer on the premise that things stay as they are. If the situation with the ownership changes, they will change the plans. Mm-hmm. They want a striker, Harry Kane, Victor Osserman. We'll talk about Harry Kane in a second as well. Harry Kane, Victor Osserman expected to be where the money goes. Yeah. Um, obviously, they want Frankie de Jong as well. Likelihood is, at the moment, they can't do two 70 to 100 million pound deals in one summer. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So they have to get a bit creative. Now, let us know if there's any number eights that you'd like to see, because that is on the agenda for United. I think they want a ball player number eight. They want a striker. Right back, centre back, goalkeeper are all like positions they would like mm. to improve, but they're not the highest priorities. It's striker and central midfield. What about this one? You can read the full story here on 90min.com, uh, which comes out on Friday. Mateo Kovacic, Rob, uh, is now everyone has seen Jorginho was sold to Arsenal, right? Mm. Chelsea fans quite divided on Jorginho, but what Chelsea have is a hell of a lot of players, and they have a policy which is relatively new to the club since they come in. This is part of the reason why Mason Mount hasn't resigned yet. He might have been mm-hmm. linked with Mason Mount. Mason Mount's out of contract in 2024. He wants assurances that his position in the team will be not guaranteed, but he'll have a, he'll have a good shot at it. He, Chelsea also wanted to sign like a long-term eight-year, nine-year contract. And mm. obviously, I think this understanding that if players aren't convinced in the Mason Mount isn't convinced in the project, he's probably not going to do that. It's not a three-year deal, exactly. Mateo Kovacic is also in this boat. He's out of contract in 2024. Mm. Um, I like him. I think he's a great player. Um, I saw a Croatian journalist, Croatia played Wales on Saturday. A Croatian journalist has said, we think we have the best midfield three in the world. Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic. And it's really hard to disagree with that at an international level. Mm-hmm. Kovacic, 91 caps for Croatia, um, out of contract in 2024. Uh, Chelsea made it clear that if players are not willing to commit, they will sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, in January, we had proof that they will also sell to rivals. Now, I wouldn't put United only in this boat. Man City and Liverpool are also looking to upgrade their midfield options. Uh, and Kovacic and his representatives are weighing up their options about what they do next. So this one, a little bit out of the blue, but could become a thing in the summer. And I think from what we understand, he wants to stay in England. He would like to mm-hmm. stay in England. Yeah. And there are plenty of options for him. I think this would be a hell of a purchase. Yeah, I did a story on him when he was at Inter Milan and he was kind of next big thing and United was sniffing around him then. And at that point, this is a long time ago now. Uh, and he obviously ended up at Real Madrid, didn't he? And, uh, bagged himself a few medals but here he is at Chelsea and, and it does feel like he is surplus to requirements funnily enough I would I would look at him as a player who was a kind of Potter style midfielder like you know kind of someone that can do a lot of things in midfield and has energy and can run the game from deeper positions but is also really good in the 10 and around the box uh, and, and I think funny thing is we've not seen him score many goals for Chelsea over over the period of what is and that's the kind of player he is. He kind of is a little bit of a Sabitzer type player in that playing in different roles. So yes, if you weren't going to sign Sabitzer and you were looking at market value and Sabitzer was around that 10 to 15 to 20, then I would be willing to go a little bit higher for a player like Kovacic. I think that he's an incredibly accomplished player. Uh, you know, we were uh, debating his age earlier on because I still feel like he's 26, but he's not. You know, he's 28, 29. So he's at that stage of his career where he's looking for maybe his not last big deal, but second to last big deal, looking for maybe a little bit of commitment. And at Chelsea, there is always this problem that because they've got 
87 first team players that why would you sign deals there where you probably won't play you won't even get in the match day squad in some Bear in mind as well Chelsea would also like they've signed Enzo Fernandes they also want another midfielder exactly well they always want another midfielder and they want another everything don't they every week at Chelsea they are they are the the perfect example of sweet shop football it's like you're running the sweet shop and I just want all these ones and yum 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 that's what we eat up all these sweets so Chelsea do that and that means that there's some very good players at Chelsea will be surplus to requirements. It could be the case that we are talking about Mason Mount being on the market very soon and that Man United looking at a player like Mount because, again, I think his sensibility in the final third and in the midfield positions is a player that you could buy into and look at him and say, yeah, and do you know what? Maybe he'll bring his best mate with him who's at West Ham United and scored the opening goal for England yesterday. And I think actually played really well against Italy. So, uh, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mount and uh, Declan Rice. Are, of course, the main United fans that hate the whole England angle would be furious. <laughs> you know, inside Mount and Rice, that would be, that, that's almost as bad as Kane and Rice to a lot of Man United fans. Mm-hmm. But I like Mason Mount. I think Mason Mount is a, is a really good footballer. And people forget, he was a big part of that team that, uh, that kind of pushed Chelsea on when he came back from Derby. And they won the Champions League that next year, didn't they? You know, Mason Mount was a major part of that. I think he's a, a definitely European-level standard midfielder. You might even be able to get him a little bit cheaper if he's running out of contracts and Chelsea want to move him on because they want to sign someone else. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of players in that Chelsea squad. Chelsea have... A, they, they want to sign a goalkeeper. They want to sign a striker. They they still like Declan Rice and other midfielders, etc., etc. So they they, mm-hmm. they they are trying to build a team for the future. And obviously... If there are players who are, they don't. I don't think they want players to run into the last two years of their contract. Obviously, no. they can't do that straight away. But long term, they do need to shrink their squad down, and that might mean that some players leave. Whether that's Mason Mount, whether that's Kovacic, from what we understand, Pep, Jurgen Klopp, Eric Ten Hag all like Kovacic as a mm. professional, uh, and very very good player. And I actually think the best is to come with Kovacic. That's what I like about it. So, like, even when he was younger, he had this kind of, I'm going to become the next best midfielder in the world vibe, like, at 21, because he just was so active and such a, an engine and and technically so proficient. I think we moved on. I think his value kind of dipped and went up and down, you know, when he was at Real Madrid. But I still think he's that player. I think he could come to Man United and have a huge impact, not just on the first team squad, Scott, but but be a player that you could bring in out and do different roles and he could do them all very well. He would certainly, for me, be a massive, massive upgrade on McTominay and Fred. Massive upgrade in terms of your consistency. And I think he'd quite like it at Man United. He's played for a team like Real Madrid, who are a traditional you know, top five club in the world. Man United are one of those. Unfortunately, Chelsea are not. And I think... Sitting on Chelsea's bench is not something he will want to do in the months and years ahead. Was wearing the captain's armband for Chelsea the other day against Everton. So that's not to say that he won't extend with Chelsea. But there are players who Chelsea have some business to take care of. They signed so many players. They've signed so many players earlier this year and earlier this season that they have to trim that squad down and they have a policy where they want to make the team younger. Kovacic is obviously 28, 29 years old, 29 in May. And while optimally, I suppose United would like to sign a 22, 23 year old player that can keep for 10 years. If you're in the position where you, you don't have 500 million to spend every summer or 300 million to spend every summer, you have to be savvy and you have to be smart. You've seen that with Eric Ten Hag. He's perfectly willing to play that game. 
and Kovacic with a year left of his contract isn't going to come too expensive. It's not going to come too expensive. And I, and I think you've, you've always got this kind of short, mid and long-term view of transfers and how you build. And I do think Man United, there is this, this is growing vibe there within the camp and certainly within the managerial structure at United that they've got these little diamonds in the rough in the youth teams. And they're looking at them. And I think Kobe Manu is a really, really exciting prospect who's on the cusp of kind of making the jump in the way that Garnacho was, say, six to 12 months ago. Now, that changes everything in terms of your midfield structure because it means that you might let Manu take the McTominay minutes, say, in the next 12 months, and you build that way. Now, that might mean that you look at a Mesa Mount and go, nah, not for us. That's not where we're going. But you might actually look at a Kovacic at 29 and go, immediate quality, you bring him in, he's an international player, he's got loads of experience, he's a winner. He also knows some of your Real Madrid bods at your own football club, you know, Casemiro and Varane, et cetera, et cetera. And these things then kind of work. And I do think that he is very much a Ten Hag type player. I think he would come in and thrive at Man United. It's just, again, that Man United fans wouldn't get that excited about him. Like, he's not a Frankie de Jong level excitement kind of capture, would he be? Uh, And I think a lot of people would be like, oh, Chelsea cast off. No. Chelsea need to get rid of people because the way they structure their football club is just kind of bizarre at the moment. But Chelsea giving these big contracts out to younger players building for the future. But you can look too far in the future sometimes, Scott. Like, what are you building for? Eight years' time? Like, you need to still win today and tomorrow. And I think that's where Man United are. Certainly after this year, where we've had, let's not put the mockers on it, but a successful season so far, is that if you take that into the summer, the likes of Kovacic, could certainly make your squad squad more competitive if you're in the Champions League the following year. Unless Chelsea win the Champions League, they are not going to be uh, as it stands. Oh. Anyway, Harry Kane, back to it. Uh, suggestions earlier this week, Rob. I joked about this. <clears throat> Offer Dean Henderson in exchange. And then, obviously, a week or two later, it's reported as Tottenham, like Dean Henderson. We knew, I, we knew this we knew already. That. Yeah, uh, We knew this already. Like Tottenham were looking at Dean Henderson last year, I want to say. And they, before. Need a, yeah, they need a, a long-term replacement for Hugo Lloris, who is injured at the mm. moment. Uh, Hugo Lloris is making more mistakes. Dean Henderson wants first-team football. Whether he, I, I doubt whether, whether he's good enough for a, a team, the status of Spurs, I have questions over. But definitely he will be one of those goalkeepers in the conversation to get a move if United do decide to sell him, which I'm pretty sure they end up will doing. They'll send, they'll sell Dean Henderson. Absolutely. Uh, Spurs interest goes all the way back to when he was at Sheffield United and he was a hot property. And they were talking about maybe evaluation at the time of 50 million. And that wasn't before he's not on the, the crazy contract that he's already on at Man United, even though he doesn't play for us anymore. So, you know, one of the top 20 goalkeepers in the world in terms of wages. Um, you're saying about, is he good enough? Um, I think it's more of a case of what, again, your squad build looks like, you know, do do Spurs want to move on from Lloris or do they want a soft transition of power where Lloris stays at the club, maybe sounds an extension, and that you have these two goalkeepers? I still do think that lots of clubs think like that, even though I think the popular narrative is that you need a bona fide number one. And I think someone like Henderson, maybe after his year at Nottingham Forest, like depending on what happens at Forest, and kind of he knows he's not coming back to Man United, I think that is going to be nailed on. Is that if he gets his move, he wants obviously wants the biggest club possible, doesn't he? And he wants his England place. So Spurs, I think, is a really good fit for him. Spurs have scouted him for seasons. Like this is not a new thing. And if you are going to buy Harry Kane, and it is going to cost you ninety to hundred million, 
you've got a goalkeeper worth maybe in the 20, 30 million pound bracket, because I think that is a fair value for a player like Henderson. Especially with the contract that he's got. Absolutely. And and that needs to be addressed because I don't know if any club will pay what United gave him. Like that was an incredible contract that he got. And I get why he signed it because it did look like he would be David De Gea's successor. Like at that point, that's why he signed the deal. And that's why he wanted to say, that's also why he got browned off and was not happy with things. But I think if he's going to Tottenham Hotspur, he would still get a very strong contract from them. And they'd have to find a way to give him a route to their first team. Is he good enough? I don't know. And I don't really care about that. But I do think that Spurs do look at him as a a viable alternative to bring to their squad and improve it at goalkeeper. And I think Man United themselves will be looking at goalkeeping alternatives, um, just maybe not in that marketplace of a Henderson. Because I think they do need someone who's going to keep De Gea on his toes or give something different that De Gea does. And at the moment, we simply do not have that in our own ranks. Yes, indeed. We'll see uh, what ends up happening. The United have got to get smart, though. They've got to look at the players that they want to sell. Hey, we got yeah. this little bit of bait. Uh, might not always work with Daniel Levy, but and towards a Kane deal, yeah, like that. That's that's the thing. Like, what what turns even Tottenham Napoli, even maybe Napoli. Henderson to Napoli would be a very good and interesting deal, wouldn't it? I think that could happen. You know, that's that's not. I think now actually English players have got more value on the continent than they have had, ever had before mm-hmm. because of the success they've had from the kind of Sancho mold onwards. And we're seeing these young players do really well on the continent that probably wouldn't walk into any first team in the Premier League. And you're kind of going, oh, look at them. They they struggled in England or, or or at the highest level in England, and here they are now, youngsters going and doing it somewhere else. And Dean Henderson's not a youngster. But you could absolutely see him going to a Napoli and being very good or being a, a top goalkeeper in Italy. I think that would work very well for him. But I think we talk about Harry Kane. Is it United need to look at what would turn Tottenham on most? I think cash would turn Tottenham on most. That's why they've put out this £100 million price tag, which, as we said, is a change of position from only a few weeks ago where they went, nope, he can see his deal out and we are not going to sell. To now, well, £100 million might make us sell. I think that's probably more the route it will go because I think Daniel Levy would want that 100 million to invest and to give to his new coach who he might well be employing in the next week or two. <laughs> yes, let's run into the comments from the last show. We had plenty. Um, I think the Beatty title might have <laughs> might have worked a little bit. Why Harry Kane would be a better fit than Osman for Man United. Uh, let's Let's look at it. We were getting accusations of not seeing, not ever watching Osman play. Uh, just look at the strikers that have been top scorers in Serie A over the last 15 years and tell me how many of them. I saw I saw um, Stretford Paddock do this on TikTok. Yes, I do use TikTok. Uh, <laughs> look at the strikers in top scorers in Serie A over the last 10, 15 years and tell you tell me how many of those would make it in the Premier League. It ain't, it ain't many. Anyway, uh, I've seen I've seen Osman play at least seven times. No, I'm joking. Like, like I've seen Osman play a lot, and I, and I think the thing is, we're not knocking Victor Osman. Like I know you're saying there about you this know, is the thing, right? Yeah, y- y- you I would also have... take Victor Osman. No, let's make it clear. Of course, Absolutely. you take Victor Osman. Like he's amazing, and and uh, it's so boring that we have to put those caveats. But we get challenged on these things all the time, don't we, in the media, and certainly on Twitter, where people maybe don't even watch the show and just read the title or something or along the lines. That's how it goes. Um, it, it's more about what Man United can get in suitability. I think Victor Osman could could become 
absolute the same level as Haaland in terms of what you expect every season, which is like 50 goals a year. You can expect that from certain kinds of players and say, well, they've only scored 48 this year. What's the problem with that? They're, you know, they're not, they're not doing what you want them to do. I think Man United's build is a little bit more intricate than that. And that's not saying we would not take Osserman. If you took Osserman, Scott, it would mean that you'd have to change a lot of other things as well. Now, I'm not against that because I don't think United are perfect. But I don't think bringing in a kind of primary number nine, you know, alpha male is exactly what you need at the moment. You need someone that helps the rest of the team to do stuff. And that's why Kane is such an interesting prospect. Let's talk about Kane getting the record for England. Cause I have read already today with people going, oh, but 17 penalties. So it doesn't count. You know, like, do you watch football? Do you actually watch Harry Kane? Do you watch, do, or do you just want to kind of bleat about things? Harry Kane is an elite operator at the top end of the pitch. I think the only thing that goes against him, Scott, is that, yes, once upon a time he had a bad injury record and you hope that doesn't manifest itself again. But he is exactly the kind of player that United need in this moment when you're looking at upgrading immediately. And I think 100 million still, I'm going to stick by the, the whole spiel that that is value. Would you say that's value at 100 million? I nodded just for the people who are listening on audio. Uh, just looking at some other comments. Classic British bias on display here. If Kane is this leader, <laughs> when the wire spurs in this situation where their leaders nor their management have any accountability and ambition. Also Dispers consider if Harry, if Harry Kane wasn't Harry Kane, would yeah. Spurs be in the top four? No. Harry, ask, that, that, ask yourself that question as well. Because Harry Kane is Harry Kane is one of 11 players in that team. Yeah. And he's playing well above. He is, he's the one taking Spurs up levels from where they were. Not, and just Completely. because he can't win trophies with Spurs is not a reflection on him. It's a reflection on Spurs. Yeah, look, look, our show is about Man United, isn't it? And I think people think that we just operate in Manchester United circles. We don't. We operate in Premier League and European circles. We, we do all this work across the board. We look at all these talents. We, we compare them, contrast. We look at all the information that we can get. Um, and I think when you look at Harry Kane, it's not because he's English and there isn't an English bias towards anything we're saying. It really isn't. I don't think being English makes you better. Like, that's a crazy notion, isn't it? And if anything, we, we, we do our shows and we always constantly say that... that that we don't care about England or, or nationalities. I think it's more I'm Welsh, fit. everyone. You're Welsh, exactly. <laughs> you know, what part of England is that then? You know, South Wales or wherever. It's like, it's 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 not it's not London. Um, though that's where you're actually sat mm -hmm. right now. So yes. you obviously have an English bias, Scott. Anyway, but I, I, I look at this and, and it was about needs must. And I think when you look at Harry Kane, it's when you look at the goals he scored, I look more at the profile of the type of goals he scores. And that's what excites me about him is that he scores goals in different ways every week. He's not a tapping artist, but it's getting Harry Kane six yards out. Harry Kane is going to score. You know, he is. The great thing about Kane is that I like his work in the 10. When he drops into the 10, he's so proficient. And you even saw in that England game last night against Italy is that his peeling off into the channel and, and the production he gives you there is not a normal for a number nine of that level. Like an Osman cannot give you that. It doesn't mean Osman isn't a world-class striker. It really doesn't mean that. It just means you're looking at skill sets. So I think that's what Ten Hag is looking for, is that someone who can add those skill sets. And the other big side that Scott can say every week is leadership. He is a leader for England. And the reason why he's got that goal-scoring record is because he puts his neck on the block. He's put his neck on the block for Tottenham for years. You know, he's one of our own. So I think when you look at it, I think he could come to Man United and I think for two, three, four year period, 
He could give you incredible production, both goals and assists, but also leadership. And that takes United from a club from teetering around third and fourth, who might be fifth and sixth next year. That puts you up there in the title conversation. I'm running out of time. I need to scoop, but uh, <laughs> one more, one more name from Mehar. Uh, talks about uh, Polinia from Fulham. But yes, please. A name that we haven't discussed in the striker sense is Randall Colo Muani. Uh, as Mehar says, this lad looks the real deal. Two-footed, strong, can header as good feet, can play anywhere in the front three and add Martinez not saved his shot in the World Cup final. He would be a household name. If yeah. we do get a takeover, I believe I believe we'll be in for this lad and could it be the end for Sancho and Martial? Thoughts? Potential, yeah. Like I, I, Again, I think we will be discussing more about the, the futures of Sancho and Martial depending on how the next few weeks go. And I think they're really important weeks for those two players because as much as I believe in them, and I, I do, you know, we've talked a lot about Sancho and we've talked about Martial's quality. It is no good if these players are on big wages and can't help you either because of fitness and form. You have to find a way either away from them with new signings and be real and lose them out of the football club or you give it another shot, don't you? And then, then risk that your own build stagnates. So, yes, let's wait and see. And I think that's down to Eric Ten Hag to decide about how useful a player is to him. But there could be some names that we've not talked about yet who are at Man United in the summer. We will discuss on future shows. I'm going to wrap up from here. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. Watch us on YouTube twice a week as well. Tuesdays and Fridays, we usually record. Head over to the channel. If you're listening on audio, subscribe, like, and join the community. You can watch us on video if you would like to. Uh, but also, we have audio for you on all of those major podcast platforms. Get in touch with us uh, through the comments on YouTube. And also get in touch with us on Twitter about anything we've discussed today. Let us know who your preferred number eight alternative uh, to Frankie de Jong might be. Uh, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Rob, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday for another Promised Land Manchester United podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.